0: Hey, what's up everybody this is charles sabansi from the dreamers pro show and we want to welcome you guys to the dreamers pro podcast where we cover everything from sports hot topics classic debates entertainment and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them now let's get started with the first topic of today's show y'all know i got like a, a love hate uh relationship with gilbert arenas for the most part, Gilbert Arenas is always saying something that annoys me and a lot of people, right? He has some pretty uh, wacky takes that he's made uh, over the years now. But then from time to time, he'll come out there and he'll say something that's thought-provoking. So what am I referring to? Uh, yesterday, I was listening to um, an episode uh, from their show, right? Um, Gil- Gil's Arena. And during this episode, they were talking about a range of things. I believe they had Rashard McCann. Kenyon martin and gilbert arenas and they were talking about various things but then um it got to the point during that conversation where they started to discuss the clippers right and they started talking about low management and they gave some pretty strong views about Kawhi leonard about paul george and i think the majority of the people that heard them speak about this would agree right that it's gotten pretty bad with those guys and now People are begging these guys to be able to play 60, 65 out of an 82-game season, which is which is pretty bad, right? So they were talking about that, and in the midst of talking about that, they somehow kind of drifted off to discuss Russell Westbrook, and as a matter of fact, it was Gilbert Arenas who brought this up. Now, as you guys know, Gilbert Arenas is a former NBA player, uh, which means that he has a lot of connections, right? He knows a lot of these guys. That's how he's able to get these interviews and this these insider scoops, right? So while he was talking, he then started to reveal a conversation that he had with the Clippers head coach Ty Lue about Russell Westbrook. Now, if you guys remember well, Russell Westbrook um, came under tremendous scrutiny after he decided to join the Los Angeles Lakers. At the very beginning, there was all of this excitement in LA, right? And at the, I think those guys believed that they were going to win a championship. They had so many Hall of Famers. Last time I checked, I think they had like five Hall of Famers on that roster. You had LeBron, you had Russell Westbrook, you had Anthony Davis, you had Carmelo Anthony. I think you had uh, Dwight Howard on that team. I mean, it was just a lot, a lot, a lot um, of Hall of Fame players on the on, on that team. Um, but ultimately, they couldn't make it work. And as the season progressed and as things got worse, Russell Westbrook became the clear-cut scapegoat. Now, some of it was his doing because he was not playing well, um, and he was a bit cantankerous with the media. But at the same time, the media made it their business to really go after this guy to the point where you were hearing reports come out of ESPN talking about this guy's a locker room. Uh, he's a vampire in the locker room. Of course, Skip Bayless had his consistent onslaught of russell westbrook all throughout that season and shannon sharp himself contributed contributed to that and it's something that really drove down his value in the marketplace to the point where when he ended up getting traded from the lakers and it was time for him to get a new contract no one was willing to pay him pay him anything and i think now he decided a two-year deal for like six million or something like that some very low number and a lot of people around the league are astonished. Uh, that you can get a talent like Russell Westbrook for, I think, $3 million a year. People are really, really surprised by that. So as Gilbert Arenas was talking, he then discloses some interesting information about how Russell Westbrook is actually perceived inside NBA locker rooms and by coaches versus all of the lies that the media has told to destroy his legacy. So what we want to do is we want to play exactly what Gilbert Arenas uh, had to say here about Russell Westbrook, and then we're gonna come back and react to his comments. Take a listen to that there.
1: Here's something that um, is gonna shock the basketball world and all them reporters out there. I talked to Tyrone Lou, and I said, Man, why do my mans get low money? Right? Talk about Westbrook. Westbrook. Yep. Why my man get low money, man? He said, We, he said, we gave him everything we had. He said, we gave him everything he had. He didn't want to go nowhere. And we're glad he didn't because we've never had a leader, and he is our leader. Think about the perception of Westbrook. And Tyrone Lu said, we finally have a leader on our team mm-hmm. to push us forward.
2: I believe that. I believe
1: that. Because we played. Because we right? are good at the sport. Just because you can put that ball in the basket and you can stop a on the other end, that don't mean you're a leader. I'm saying Paul George, one of the best talented offensive players there is. I don't see, like I've been around, he just seemed like a quiet, of quieter kind of a guy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lead by example. I'm going to go out and I'm going to play hard. I'm going to put that thing in that basket. I'm going to strap up. If I have to say something, mm-hmm. I might. But Kawhi, you know, he ain't going to say nothing. nothing. Right. You know what right. I'm saying? But yeah, I could see that, you know what I'm saying? But
2: no, you know, Russ is vocal, but... I know, but it's
1: crazy how, like, the perception of, Mm. oh, this man is the selfish, and he said, man, that's my leader, that's the leader of this team.
2: Bro, hold on. It's the confrontational guys that become the leaders. You got two... He's not
1: confrontational.
2: When it it matters, though, he'll call you out. He's he's the aggressive alpha of the group, so you got two non-confrontational guys who don't speak as much, don't say as much, but then you got Russ. Who coming in there? Hey, what's up, man? This how it's supposed to. Go. He knows traditionally how to be a leader. He's an alpha. Mm-hmm. That's how he play. But when you got a guy like that, and Tyrone's like, oh, we got us a leader. That's all the sense in the world.
1: And he said, he said, man, I loved Westbrook. I'm mad he left. Like it's crazy how the perception of it. Washington was mad he left. Medium. They were mad, like, yo, Westbrook, don't go over there. Like, they tell him don't go over there. Like, grass ain't green over there. <laughs> don't go over there. Just stay over here. We want you over here. Yeah. And that, that's just, it's just, it's crazy, though. No, like, looking. the perception that's put out there versus what the players say.
2: Is that the conflict that happened with the Lakers? Is that he was too much of that alpha leader for them compared to what LeBron wanted? Possibly. As a conflict. It looked like a clash.
1: It, it, it's, 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 it's a vocal person that's, you know, like seeing things that just doesn't fit what he does. Yeah,
2: but then it says a lot about him, his character as a person, though. You know what? I'ma take a back I'm gonna take a back seat. I'm gonna take yeah. a back seat. Yep, yeah. yep. <laughs> and didn't say much. Yep. Take a back seat, yeah. See how we do without me. guess
1: be. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's just it's just it's it's just it's just and that's why you know pl- players is 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 better when we talk to each other, right? Because we understand the game. We've been in situations. We understand where, all right, they, they with dude man like like we've been we've been in that situation before. Where our hands is tied. We can't say so. We just trying to when you gonna trade me, man? Like y'all having to meeting over there? Okay, I'm just taking my jersey off over here. Like all right, I ain't got time for this. Right? Like we've been there. And everything we say about Westbrook, that full season he played with the Lakers, obviously it didn't turn out how anybody wanted it to, but started seventy eight games, but played seventy eight to eighty two games. Last season with the trade, played seventy three games. So I'm just saying, like, he gonna play? He like he's he he don't don't believe. Yeah, he don't don't believe in in days off like that, man. Unless he's really injured, man. Like, like when people ask me like who would you pick, and I say if I don't pick him, I'll be mad. I got play against him. Right, because one thing I know is he gonna play <laughs> one thousand percent. Yep. Hard. I know he gonna go one thousand percent. I don't want to play against a dude like that. All
2: right. So he played what two years with the Lakers? and just one full year, and
1: then they moved him to the bench this past season before the trade. He probably played the most games. His wait him and him and LeBron, LeBron and AD combined. West probably played more games than both of them combined. I think it was it was close. It may have been like. They might have played like 82 or something like that combined. Some, or Brian not
2: on the You know what's crazy numbers. though? Yeah, It explains his production drop off from Washington to LA because your leadership being able to be a leader affects how you play.
0: So you heard what Gilbert Arenas had to say. Now this is very surprising. I never knew that the Washington Wizards were clamoring to have Russell Westbrook return to their team, number one. Number two... I didn't know that Russell Westbrook had this type of a, an effect on locker rooms. Number three, I've never heard any NBA players say a negative word about Russell Westbrook. Not one. As a matter of fact, almost every single NBA player I have heard talk about Russell Westbrook is absolutely amazed by him. This goes all the way up to Kobe Bryant to Charles Barkley, to Stephen Jackson, to Kenyon Martin, to 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 every single player I've heard talk about Russell Westbrook, all admire Westbrook. But then, when he got to the Lakers, all of a sudden, he turned into this villain. And a lot of us were left scratching our heads like, wait, what's going on? Why is this the first time we're only hearing this about Russell How did he all of a sudden just become this bad person, right? And to me, it looks like it was a smear campaign. Uh, Russell Westbrook was the odd man out, and he's the one that needed to be dealt with. He's the one that needed to be dealt with. Because I can understand if a litany of people and organizations were saying this about Russell Westbrook, but it was only one. As a matter of fact, when he got to the Clippers, if you listen carefully, they loved him. Kawhi Leonard spoke highly of him. Paul George spoke highly of him. The Clippers organization spoke highly of him. And they were actually hoping he would return because of all of the intangibles he provides in the locker room. So why why is it that if he's this terrible guy, why is it that it's only being said by one team, which is the Lakers... And by some people connected in the media. What, what What's the cause of this? And to me, it really lets you know that the media, they can turn anybody into a villain or a star uh, if they choose so. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. I've been saying this for the past few weeks now that the sports media landscape is actually quickly changing under our feet. Like every single day, something new happens. Um, as you guys know, things are happening at ESPN. They're firing people left and right. Shannon Sharpe is left undisputed. Now I'm hearing, which is actually incredible to me. I'm now hearing that, uh, little Wayne is going to be joining skip Bayless on undisputed on Fridays, which is quite interesting because little Wayne is a rapper, but he's going to be there talking sports. Well, I guess we'll wait. We'll have to wait and see, but there's so much change taking place in the, in the sports landscape. I just we just actually produced a show uh, centered on some comments that M- M- Michelle Beadle made about the way ESPN has kind of handled some of their talent, not giving them time to kind of grow together and build chemistry, like you know TNT did with Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, and these guys. We covered all of this, and we also been talking about. The fact that there are other competitors out there looking to kind of gain a market share uh, into the sports media landscape through streaming. And one of these companies, incidentally, uh, turns out to be Amazon. Now, some of you guys are going be asking the question, OK, what the hell are you talking about? Well, uh, this morning I was doing some research on uh, front office sports and I came across an article that really intrigued me. And the article had the headline titled Amazon Plux X and Talent. As it pushes further into sports, and I'm like, wow, this is pretty interesting. I said, maybe this is something the audience will find, um, you know, f- find to be an interesting topic. So let me read what this article says here. It continues on. It says Amazon, which acquired podcast company Wondery in the 2020 deal valued at deal valued at 300 million, is now boasting is now boosting the audio's network sports slate with new podcast shows from former ESPN star Michelle Beadle. Uh, Trey Wingo and then lebitard's Me- Meteor Lark Media. Wandry's new original programming debuting this month through the fall includes Beatles, Beatles Royale, a weekly show covering sports and pop culture while Wingo, the former sports center host uh, who worked at ESPN for 23 years until 2020 will host an alternative sports uh, history podcast called Making Waves. Shia Serrano, uh, a former Ringer journalists will also host a new uh, entitled basketball podcast. Wondery Sports, Splash, Wondery Sports Splash comes just before Amazon announced its Q2 final earnings on Thursday as Prime Video nears its second season uh, exclusively streaming NFL Thursday Night Football. Amazon will also stream the NFL's new Black Friday game this fall and is expected to be a major player for the NBA next... Uh, for the, NBA's next slate of broadcasting rights. We've done a bunch of activations around Thursday Night Football for our shows, and we're constantly looking for ways to work together. Wanderers Chief Content Officer Marshall Louis told FOS, I think Amazon's commitment to sports across the board is really important to us, but we're also looking at it from the Wanderer lens as well. Of We want a sports slate. Sports is the fastest growing uh, category in podcasting, and we just see a real opportunity to learn to lean into that uh, area. Amazon is also one of the tech giants that could be be a fit to buy a piece of ESPN. Wondery's deal with three X ESPN personalities. Lebertard Wingo Beetle comes as Disney's network laid off roughly 20 on-air talents in June and continues to part ways with longtime fixtures. From the time I started at ESPN until now, it's completely—it's a completely new universe," said Beetle, who was at ESPN for, from 2009 to 2019. The opportunity uh, to not just go out there and work somewhere else, but to go out and make your own place. And we're seeing while uh, with Libertard and Wingo has done such a good job of it as well. It's such a cool time to be in this medium. I love seeing people that I enjoy, respect, and love working with being released into the wild. And basically the article um, goes on to say, Amazon's double investment in sports podcasting boosts Wanderers' existing lineup that includes the All-Man and the Three, hosted by J.J. Redick, uh, Men in Blazers, and The Lead, which launched with the Atlantic in 2019 and the article then goes on to say a bunch of other things so you heard what it had to say basically ESPN is firing people left and right because they can't find a way to monetize these guys fast enough to make enough revenue and these other companies are basically poaching them and say okay listen come over here and uh let's work together and I think we can make something interesting happen it really shows you where this thing is going. And to be quite honest with you, when we came into this business, I had no idea that this was what it was. I mean, how can you know? Unless you're a fortune teller or you're one of the insiders, how could you know? And I, and funny enough, one could one, one, one would even ask the question, how is it that ESPN was so late to the party? This is the reason why I was just in total amazement listening to Stephen A. Smith beat, himself, be, beat his chest like King Kong talking about I own my own podcast. It's like, bro, you're 150,000 years late. You're late to the show. It took you this long. What were you looking at? Right now, all of a sudden, you're scrambling, trying to do your own podcast. Meanwhile, these guys that went ahead of you, that left where you were, are now way farther ahead. Because now they're doing their own thing independently. That they truly, truly own. And they're not beholden to any major company. So, to me, uh, this is surprising. But I just wonder. what, what, What I'm curious about is this. What are the requirements? to be picked up by one of these companies really it's something even me i'll say a dreamers pro we're like mm, this is quite what are the requirements you know I'm, I'm really really curious about that because for whatever reason although these people are no longer on tv and being pushed by the platform of espn they're still able to go out there and create waves which is very very interesting which means that they found a way to uh to master their marketing machine really because you know, you start a podcast is one thing. Getting it getting it to grow is another thing. Anything, really. You start a YouTube channel. Yeah, you can start a YouTube channel. Anyone can start a YouTube channel. But can you make a successful YouTube channel? That's a different thing. So really, it shows me that there's tremendous upside for people that are going to be doing this thing the right way. And also, if you have something that people want, if you're interesting and people like your content, then um, it looks like there are going to be opportunities out there. Now, I have to say this. though: I've noticed that a lot of the people that are getting these opportunities are people that have already been in this um you know been you know been a part of the industry what i'm wondering is that are they going to go out there and truly get independent creators that have found a way to cultivate their own audience and then want to partner with them that's something i'm going to be waiting to see because i've yet to see something like that now if you're enjoying this show be sure to follow us on facebook at dreamers pro official instagram at dreamers pro and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show now let's continue to the next segment As someone uh, that has been living out of the States for some time now, I've, I've been actually fascinated with some of the things that have been taking place. And I've been trying to figure out what happened to Disney, what happened to ESPN, because the last time I checked, Disney was a company that everybody liked and patronized. Everyone was excited to go to Disney World. All of the Marvel movies. Everyone loved them. I mean the last Avenger movie I saw. I was in total. total. I was awestruck by that movie. The movies would make a ton of money. People love ESPN. But then all of a sudden. Things just started to change. All of a sudden. You start seeing various people. Coming out and speaking against ESPN. And I'm like. What happened? So. I've been spending the last few days trying to educate myself on what's really taking place. Why is ESPN losing so many viewers? Why are people like Malika Andrews on TV disrespecting her male uh, counterparts all over television and nothing is being done about it? Why is Jalen Rose, who was formerly employed by ESPN, being reprimanded and forced to apologize on public um, public uh, on live tv for asking a question about why a particular person's name wasn't revealed but the head coach was revealed why is he forced to read a public apology over that what is going on i've been trying to get to the bottom of this so while doing my research i actually came across a channel and this channel is called moon Funny enough, that's the name of the channel. It's called Moon. And this channel boasts 1 million subscribers, right? 1 million subscribers. And then I looked at the video and the title of the video was called The Incredibly Satisfying Death of Disney. Now, the irony is this isn't the only video that has this type of title. There's so many videos documenting... The collapse of Disney. So I said, OK, let me click on this video. The thumbnail was interesting. I said, OK, let me click on it. Right. It was about a, about a 17 minute video and the producer here. Essentially walked me through the genesis of this issue and brought it all the way to the current day. Now, while I was watching this particular piece, he was discussing everything about the, you know, the stock price, the movies, all of these different things. But then he got to a very, very interesting section of his argument that really, really made me begin to understand this thing at a deeper level, at a much deeper level. So actually, um, what I want to do is I want to read some of the things that he had to say because we don't own the right to this video. <laughs> we don't want any issues with him. Disney's former CEO started uh, stated that the company should be taking a stand on political issues and will no longer shy away from politics in the future, this would be a statement that will come back to bite Disney horrendously. And it likely trickled down from BlackRock, one of Disney's top shareholders uh, holding 120 million shares within Disney. Now, to be clear, BlackRock is a powerful investment management fund overseeing approximately 10% of all stocks traded globally, which amount to about $10 trillion in assets. Bloomberg even referred to BlackRock as a, quote, a fourth branch of government. BlackRock's founder and CEO Larry Fink has personal connections with the former uh, Treasury Secretary Timothy Geithner, and BlackRock holds control over several um, major banks, which is why Fink is often considered the most influential man in America because most investors and banks use BlackRock's ESG ratings to decide whether to invest in a company and to be clear an ESG rating according to BlackRock measures the company's exposure to long-term environmental social governance risks these risks include things like energy efficiency worker safety and board independence which can have significant financial implications if not properly managed. But then in 2018, the score uh, underwent a change when Finks wrote a letter to all the companies under his influence stating that they must, uh, quote, contribute to society or risk losing support, adding that, quote, society is demanding that companies, both public and private, serve a social purpose. And of course, Disney would do everything they can to satisfy its biggest investor so it shouldn't be any shock that disney has the second highest esg rating uh in in the entertainment industry which is why today we see disney at the forefront of recent of uh recent push for social justice and progressivism now that the first cracks after this show when disney became increasingly increasingly political uh polit- political Um, Opposing Florida's new public education bill, which prevented teachers from educating children below third grade about sex and gender ideology. Now, it's unclear why Disney is so um, opposed uh, to this particular bill or why multinational billion dollar company that uh, relies on states of uh, states like Florida would suddenly weigh in on grade school education unless it's somehow related to their ESG rating. But it didn't stop Disney. And then the article then goes on to continue on to say how Disney has made it clear that, you know, they've asked some of their employees to read certain books about race and not question this and not question that, you know, and really push their various agendas. And after listening to that, it made me think about a blow up that I saw on television about eight to nine or maybe 10 months ago. Which was centered on the Ime Udoka situation. I'm sure the majority of you guys remember the Ime Udoka situation. And essentially, what happened was this: Malika Andrews was invited on ESPN First Take. This was when the thing was just like you know uh, the, the news had just come out, and she was invited on there to give her take because I believe she was also covering the story. And at the time, Stephen A. Smith put up a uh, put out a point which was. Number 1, this situation took place between two consenting adults. Number 2, it was an HR matter and it should have never made it should have never been made public. So then what happens? Malika Andrews then comes on television on his show and publicly tries to give him a flogging on his show to the point where Stephen A Smith himself had to push back on her on live TV and remind her that she was actually on his show. So what we want to do is want to play that quickly for you guys to give you guys a refresher, and then we're going to continue on with the show. Take a listen to that.
3: Stephen A., with all due respect, this is not about pointing the finger. Stop. What, What became apparent to me in this press conference is that we do not have all of the information here, and it was frustrating to me. That the Celtics declined to elaborate or to give more specifics about what exactly the rule breaking was that led us to this point. So that I just want to get that out of the way first, but to answer your question, I, Molly, wrong, I think what stood ahead. out to me, I, I think what stood out to me is that Brad Stevens, he was upset. That's what stood out to me about what he termed, uh, rampant Twitter, uh, BS is the word that he used, that women were unfairly dragged into this within the Celtics organization. You could see that Brad Stevens was visibly upset about this. And I also found that to be gross and unnecessary, that folks were bringing in the names and the images of women that is just not a fact, that was purely speculation. And so to me, that is what stood out. But the Celtics as an organization could have done more and short of doing more ahead of this yesterday, they could have owned that responsibility in this press conference. I understand that there were legal parameters that they had to operate within uh, for everybody involved. And I appreciate the fact that they brought in. Uh, outside counsel and did a thorough organization. And I think that that is something that was clearly uh, necessary in this situation, but the fact that it was able to go on all day, the fact that we are sitting here debating whether somebody else should have been suspended or not. We are not here, Stephen A. To further blame women. That is not why we are here.
4: First of all, let me be very clear. I don't appreciate where you're going with that. I'm not blaming anybody, but Emei Udoker. He deserves, the fact of the matter is I've said he deserved to be fired if they were going to fire him. If you're not going to fire him, then don't fire him. My issue is all of this being publicized. The point that I'm trying to make It's just like you're not. Excuse me. Excuse me. me. I listened to you. You're the one telling me to stop on my show. It ain't happening. Okay, that's number one. Number two, I've already said he deserves to be fired or he deserves what to to be there and handle it internally and privately. If you're not going to handle it privately. If you're going to publicize it in that fashion, then obviously it provokes everybody wanting to know, okay, well, who are the parties involved? When you have Amina Smith in Boston and other women pointing out the fact that there were women who were wrongly implicated in all of this, it's a disservice to them. I didn't come out with the report about a consensual relationship. I didn't come out with the report ahead of time leaking that we were, they were going to suspend him for the year. They did that. And my point is considering how pervasive this kind of stuff has, has, has existed in professional sports for many years. My whole point is, is that, excuse me, make sure that you handle it in the same fashion it has always been handled. So you heard the exchange there.
0: Now, after that took place, a lot of us were left scratching our heads asking the question, how is something like this even possible? How could Malika Andrews, who's who, uh, who's about in her 20s, be talking to uh, uh, Stephen A. Smith, who's in his 50s, talking to a grown man on television like as if she's talking to one of her little nephews or whatever? A lot of us were turned off by that, and a lot of us were asking the question, why is she being allowed to get away with this? And then you started seeing various scenarios where Malika Andrews was... Cutting off her male counterparts, talking in them any kind of way, bringing up stories about various blacks, that, and a lot of people were asking the question, like, "What is our issue here?" And it went unchecked. But when Jalen Rose asked the question uh, about why is it that this woman's uh, um, 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 identity is not being publicized, he was then forced to go on TV and make an, a public apology. It let me know that, wait a minute, this is an environment that ESPN is actively trying to foster. They're actually pushing for this. They're actually pushing for this. And I think that they've empowered people like this to feel like they can go out there and just spread their wings and nothing is going to happen. You can go out there and try to disrespect the face of our network on his show, on live television, with tens of thousands of people listening and watching, and nothing is going to happen. We give you that leeway. We give you this leeway. And after seeing this guy's video, it made me begin to understand that maybe there's a reason that they're pushing for this. Now, towards the end of his video, he mentioned something quite interesting, which I was unaware of. He said in this push for you know, gender equality or you know, race and all of this stuff, he mentioned something that I didn't know. He said, while Disney's making this push, he said, when they put out black animated movies or Marvel movies in China, for play, for example, a place like China, do you know that you weren't even they weren't even allowed to show the black person's face? So they showed two thumbnails of the Black Panthers uh movie cover. One of them had Chad, Chadwick Boseman on it, which was the one released in the States and other places. And then the other one, I believe, that was released in China and other countries, they actually had the Panther face covered with his helmet to show it's not a black dude. They complied with that, which makes one ask the question: Well, what? Wait, wait, wait a minute. Do you really believe what you're doing, or do you do? Are you doing this to serve a greater purpose, which is your own interest? So, to me, I thought it was very interesting, and I'm beginning to understand that you know these people aren't just acting out of their own um, autonomy; that they're actually being, you know. Um, influence to do these things i could be wrong but this is just my understanding of the issue thank you for listening to today's show and don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on itunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms